Good evening and welcome to Faith Unboxed. It has been a um, interesting start to 2024 and we have had a lot happening here and I know that we have not had a weekly podcast but uh, we want to get things rolling here and we've had to uh, take care of a few things. Uh, we've got to spend some time with our girls and enjoy uh, those moments. So that has been a great uh, experience. We've enjoyed those moments because um, life sometimes takes some of those moments away from you. And we've enjoyed uh, those moments as a family here in the upcoming weeks. We want to share some of those uh, things with you, but in the meantime, I want to take today to share uh, something based off of a quote that uh, we shared actually, uh, I believe it was Sunday on Faith Unboxed. Uh, it was a quote uh, from uh, Tim Keller, actually, a book of his that um, I'd read once before, but uh, was able to pick back up over the holidays and read again and enjoy, um, and we were able to take that and um, go back through. You'll hear Bella in the, Bella in the background there. Uh, they're getting ready for bed tonight. Um, school tomorrow, they're hoping for a snow day, so they've all got their fingers crossed and hoping and praying for a snow day. But uh, the quote uh, on Sunday was that the essence of forgiveness is absorbing pain instead of giving it. Now, when we think of forgiveness, forgiveness is a difficult subject in and of itself because forgiveness is something that um, when we deal with it, um, we oftentimes it's easy to... It's easy to forgive small things in our lives. Uh, you know, someone passes you in line, or maybe someone accidentally bumps into you. You say, oh, it's all right, no big deal. But when the big things happen in our lives, when something of enormous value happens in our lives, how do we forgive in those moments? How do we find forgiveness. Now, people on the outside will always give you the counsel that forgiveness um, is the thing that must be done and must be given. And in our minds, we often go back to, well, you're not in my shoes. And perhaps they're not. And perhaps they've never experienced what you're experiencing at this very moment. And, you know, it's always easy to play what I call uh, Monday morning quarterback. It's always easier for someone on the outside to give you their advice. It's always easier for someone else to tell you what you should do. Uh, it's always easier for the Job's friends to tell you what you need to be doing uh, because they feel that that is the answer in your particular circumstance. However, maybe they are right, and we just don't want to hear it from them. 
because, yes, I will agree with most anyone that they do not know your circumstance. They're not experiencing maybe the pain, the loss, uh, the circumstances in which you find yourself in. And uh, that's what I love. If you get an opportunity to read uh, Tim Keller's book, uh, The Reason for God, it's a great book to uh, pick up and to read through. Um, But uh, to be said on what he gives on what forgiveness is, is really important because when we talk about wrongs done to us, wrongs can't be necessarily assigned a monetary value. Uh, when something is done to us, we can't say, well, you did this to me and you owe me X number of dollars for what you did to me. Uh, because sometimes the wrongs that are done to us, they rob us of happiness, they rob us of our reputation, maybe they rob you of opportunity, um, maybe even in some, op- some instances they rob you of uh, certain aspects of our freedom, and so to put a price tag on um, what a wrong does to us is nearly impossible. And so people, when they violate our justice, when they violate uh, something uh, and take something away from us, for them to just say, I'm really sorry, as though they just bumped into you in the supermarket, seems kind of shallow seems kind of um, empty. And uh, when we are wronged in those moments, we feel that they have incurred a great debt to us. And in that moment, because that debt has been uh, incurred upon us, one of the first things that crosses many of our mind is that the perpetrator, whoever that may be, it could be a friend, it can be a loved one, it could be a family member, it could be uh, someone who uh, maybe was a mentor to you, it could be any number of people in your life. And so we feel that what they've done um, needs to, uh, they need to experience something in return. And so feelings of uh, revenge, feelings of getting back at them, feelings of Well, they need to experience the same thing that I experienced in order to make this right, because we have within us a sense of justice. Now, I believe if we will look scripturally, our sense of justice comes from a God that created us. What does scripture tell us? Our God is a just God. God believes in being just. So our sense of justice comes from God. So we believe in a sense of right and wrong. We believe in a sense of people uh, need to have right and wrong. People need to, uh, when someone does something uh, wrong or morally wrong, we believe that there needs to be a punishment uh, for those things, uh, to correct those things. People correct their children when their children do wrong. And so the problem, though, aligns with the fact that, you see, when we hold on to these things in our lives without forgiveness, 
what happens over time is the things that are not corrected, the things that are not fixed, the things that are not forgiven, if they're not sought after in justice, if they're not sought after in revenge, and I'm not saying either one of those are right, then we hold them inside. And I know many of us, we cling on to things, we hold on to things, and when we hold on to those things, what happens is what started out as just something wrong that happened to us and feelings of hurt and feelings of pain, those feelings become a festering sore within us that begins to turn into a grudge. And we can begrudge not only that person, but then we begrudge the people connected to that person or the people around that person. And after a while, that thing begins to boil. And what just robbed us of one happiness begins to rob us of all happiness. What robbed us of maybe one opportunity begins to rob us of all opportunities. And so what started as something that one person did to us we began to infect ourselves so much to such a great degree that it's actually us doing the wrong to ourselves because we began to take things away from ourselves because we allowed someone to take over our lives. We allowed their injustice to control us. We allowed them to tarnish our relationship or tarnish opportunities or take things away from us initially. But then over time, we've allowed it to continue to build so much so that it consumes our lives. We can't think about other opportunities because all we can think about is that person. And that person is all that we begin to think about in the debt that they owe and everything surrounding them. And there's some serious problems with this because we become harder, we become colder, we become even to the point of we pity ourselves and we become self-absorbed. And in that, we look at the wrongdoer and every time maybe the wrongdoer, something good happens in their life or something happens uh, that may be a good thing, we feel that it's more injustice. Well, why is good things happening to them and nothing good's happening to me? So everything is so self-absorbed that we begin to look only on those things. Now you say, what does this have to do with Scripture? Well, it has a whole lot to do with Scripture because the cycles of reaction and retaliation, they can go on for years. This evil that was done to us uh, we can begin to continue to cycle around this over and over and over again, all because we didn't get the reaction or anything. And sometimes this person will completely forget about ever having wronged you. They have no idea that you're even hurt. You don't know why? Because you have never even spoken to them. You've never even told them. And you see, but there's another option here, the option of something that is a whole lot more difficult, and an option is forgiveness. You see, forgiveness means refusing to make them pay for what they did. Forgiveness means I'm letting this go. Now, that sounds so much more difficult because, you see, I'm, I'm allowing them to get away with what they did. Now, 
Why am I doing that? Because they deserve to get away with it? No, I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not saying that they were right in what they did. I am not doing this for their sake. I'm doing this for my own sake. Forgiveness is allowing them to, uh, to, to be set free. But in setting them free, I'm setting me free. Because, you see... Uh, we're refraining from lashing out. We're refraining from allowing ourselves to fester in this. And so we're allowing, uh, we're at a point where we're not only um, letting the original loss of happiness, but we're foregoing inflicting pain on them. And so we're absorbing, like I said at the beginning, we're absorbing the debt. We're taking the cost of it. And we're doing all of this completely on ourselves instead of taking it out on another person. Now, here's the thing about this. It hurts terribly. Many people would say that this very kind of pain feels almost like a death. But it's a death that leads to a resurrection in our life. It's a resurrection that instead of living a death of bitterness all of our life and a death of cynicism... We let these things go and we resurrect ourselves into a new life of forgiveness. We resurrect ourselves into something brand new and something that we were not capable of doing before. It is a new life, almost kind of like being reborn, if you will. And uh, there's many reasons um, that we should find ourselves in this, uh, in this place of forgiveness, um, not only for the sake of not festering, not only for the sake of holding on to it, um, but you see, many of us, we say, well, I want to hold them accountable. But you see, sometimes our real reason is we just want to see them hurt the way that we hurt. And we want to see them uh, in a position where they receive payback. And the fact is, sometimes when we have this kind of thinking and it's festered in us, our force and our sense of payback and all of these things are not just. I said a moment ago that we have a sense of justice within us because our God is just, but when we act in anger, when we act out of hurt, when we act out of pain, our sense of repayment to that person will not be just. Our sense of repayment to that person will be excessive. Our sense of repayment to that person will be beyond the reasonable, um, uh, what you would say, the reasonable um, repayment of what is due to them, of what they even did to us, because we'll take things too far. Because what we think they deserve is a lot worse than what they actually deserve, because we will always think we were wronged worse than what we were actually wrong. And so we will begin that cycle of retaliation. So only if we seek first an inner forgiveness will we be able to truly confront the other person and be temperate, be wise, and be gracious. You see, I would say before you ever even confront the other person, you've got to find an inner forgiveness for that person. Because if you plan to confront somebody, if you plan to go to them, you can't go to them out of anger. You can't go to them out of a extreme hurt. 
because you'll take a situation that was here and you'll escalate it to here. But if you go to them having sought an inner forgiveness first, I'll tell you, when you go to them, you'll be able to reconcile a situation with that person, having forgiven them inside of you first. And at that point, you'll be able to see a true reconciliation. And you say, why does all of this matter? I'll tell you why it all matters. You and I incurred a great debt. You see, this all connects back to you and me. We incurred a great debt. We incurred a great debt before an almighty God. We hurt the very heart of God to the degree that to be just, to be right, God, out of anger, could have punished us beyond what we would consider fair. We'd say, well, it's not fair that I should be, but God in His justness could have fairly judged us according to our sins because Scripture tells us that the wages of sin is death. But aren't you glad the Scripture doesn't stop there? It says that the gift of God, God gave us a great gift. The gift of God is eternal life. Scripture tells us in Ephesians 4 that um, be kind one to another, tender-hearted. You see, when we hold on to something and we don't forgive, our heart becomes cold and callous holding on to something. But he says be tender-hearted. And uh, forgiving one another, why do you do this? Not because sometimes you want to, but he says you do it as God in Christ forgave you. God has forgiven you, so you forgive others because God, for Christ's sake, has forgiven you. Let me ask you, if God has forgiven you, what has God forgiven you of? You don't have to come back and comment on that and say, we forgave but. Let me ask you, if you examine yourself, how have you hurt the heart of God? What have you done to, uh, in your life that could be said that God could say, my goodness, you have done this, this, and this, and yet he said, I, for Christ's sake, have forgiven you. And even so, it says in 1 John that if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just He's just to do what? Forgive us and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. I like it in Matthew. Peter comes up to Jesus and he says, Lord, I want to know how many times I should forgive my brother. If my brother does wrong to me seven times, I mean, isn't that the law? If he, if he, if he does seven times, shouldn't that be how many times I forgive him? I mean, seven, seven times, right, Lord? I've got some right now. They're, they're at six. So one more time, and I'm cutting them off, Lord. And Jesus uh, tells him, he says, what? I do not say to you seven times, but 77 times. Now, wait a minute, Lord. Why, why, so, many, why so many times? And he wasn't saying that you sit there and you mark up how many times people harm you and how many times people do you wrong. He was saying 77 times. Because it's, in essence, how many times has the Lord forgiven you? Has He forgiven you seven times? Has He forgiven you eight times? Has He forgiven you ten times? 
Has He forgiven you a hundred? How many times has He forgiven you in your life? And He was just simply the adage is there's, there's not a limit to how many times that you would forgive your brother or your neighbor. And it isn't seven times, it isn't 70 times. You, if your neighbor wrongs you, you forgive him. And Jesus tells them, he says, for if you forgive others your, their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive their, others their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive you your trespasses. Now, God isn't holding this over your head saying, now, wait a minute, you go make things up with, with Jim over there, and until you make things up with him, I'm not making things up with you. What he's, what he, what he's trying to get across here is you, it is hard for people to come to God when they have anger and bitterness in their heart. Because I'll tell you, when you have anger and bitterness in your heart, there's one person you don't want to talk to. You don't want to talk to God. You know what makes a prayer life hard? Anger, bitterness. When you are holding something over someone else, when you feel that someone else has wronged you, you're almost like Adam in the garden when Adam had wronged God. You know what you do? You hide. You stay away. After a while, you, you have this cold-heartedness. And when you have a cold-heartedness, towards someone else, you know what? Your cold-heartedness begins to reflect on God. So it isn't that God is holding something over you. What begins to happen is you begin to stay away from God because you are so absorbed with your anger and resentment towards someone else that you don't go to God. You're not coming and praying and asking forgiveness because you know why? You're so self-entitled that you believe you've not done anything wrong. You're saying, well, yeah, that message today, so-and-so needs to hear it, and he needs to get right with God. You, we're, we get so blinded that we don't think we could do any wrong because we think everybody around us is wrong, and we are never wrong, when in fact that's not the truth. Luke 6, verse so many speak often, judge not, don't you judge. It says, judge not, and you will not be judged. Condemn not, and you will not be condemned. Forgive. See, people don't, don't finish that verse. Forgive, and you will be forgiven. What that means is not to pass condemnation onto others when wrongs have happened. When a wrong has happened in your life, don't be passing condemnation. Forgive others, and you'll be forgiven. See, we're quick to judge someone who has wronged us, someone who has come against us, and we're so easily forget. Remember, Jesus says, you know, we, we look at the, the, the toothpick in our neighbor's eye, but we don't see the moat hanging out of our own eye. We don't see the big beam in our own eyes. We, we, we see how little our neighbor has done to us, but, we, but we, we're so blinded by the wrongs in our own life. And I'll tell you, because we will need our brothers in this life. We will need our brothers and sisters because there's one thing that we have need of. Scripture tells us, and I finish with this, Ecclesiastes, because two are better than one in Ecclesiastes 4, because they have a good reward for their labor. For if they fall, the one will lift up his fellow, 
but woe to him that is alone when he falls, for he has not another to help him up. You see, one thing that you will learn in this life is you need your brothers and sisters. Many of us, we isolate ourselves off from everyone else, but we need our brothers and sisters because eventually, at some point, you're going to fall down. You're going to do something you never expected to have done. And the question is, are you going to be alone in that moment? Or are you going to have a brother beside you that when you fall, he's there to help you back up? But if we're so busy and so absorbed, not forgiving, cold-hearted, we say, I get myself up. I don't care if I slip and fall. I'm, I'm, I'm good enough. I can, I can get myself that isn't what Scripture says. Scripture says, woe to him that's alone when he falls. Who's going to get you up? Who's going to be there for you? Very important. Forgiveness is key in this life. Find a way to forgive those in your life that I couldn't tell you what they've done. Only you know. But when it happens, don't be so quick to hold on to it, to wish for retaliation. Instead, find a way to absorb that debt because the Scripture says that God, for Christ's sake, has forgiven you. Find a way and a means to forgive that debt because yours has been forgiven. Mine and yours. Thank you for tuning in today. We'll be back here next week. We've got a lot of great things to cover this year. We've been laying out some amazing things I'm excited about, excited to cover. And um, so start the year with forgiveness. Find that thing you've been holding on to, and it's time to let it go. Make things right in 24. Thank you for tuning in today.